Okay, back to the baby boomers. We have we are off the rails here today. Can you ask me a good question this time? Oh, <laughs> I see this as an annual review all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Okay, we're gonna have some fun today. It's something I know everyone listening and everyone in this room has dreamed about. I'm Molly Nelson. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm sitting next to Rochelle Smith. She's the producer of this podcast. And across from me, Lauren Merkel, a certified financial planner, a certified fiduciary, and today a daydreamer. Merkel, you've won the lottery. What would you do with the money? <laughs> I love this question. It's so fresh in my mind, too, because... Every, almost every year, my family takes a vacation up to Northern Michigan. We were born in Michigan. When growing up, we'd always go to Northern Michigan. And, and so every year we still go back there to the same spot, do some camping. And the thing about Northern Michigan, where we go is it's right off of Lake Michigan. So huge body of water. A lot of islands are within Lake Michigan. So my brother and I, every year we're talking about which one of these islands would we buy? Sure. Because there's a lot of them for sale. And they're private islands, like maybe just a few families, a few homes on them? Well, some aren't are occupied at all. Oh, wow. And then some have some structures um, and some have no structures. So the ones that you would buy, they would be private. They would be ours. So if I won the lottery, I would have to buy an island. And the cool part is, is that a couple of years ago, I don't know if it's still for sale. A couple of years ago, there was a decommissioned destroyer for sale. <laughs> And we would take this destroyer from Chicago to our private island. Okay, stupid question. It. What's a destroyer? Oh, it's a, a boat, a type of boat? Yeah, it's a military destroyer. Oh. <laughs> wow. They've got him and his brother went real deep. Well, how late yeah. was it, this conversation? What was we're well, around the campfire here? What's going on? Well, we've had it many times. That's the sad part. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but he's a big boat guy, so he has this tritune. And he's always wanting to take his tritune out in Lake Michigan and island hop or take it way far away from the shore and his wife doesn't want anything to do with it <laughs> she wants to hug the shore sure two years ago we, we were in lake superior and we were still hugging the shore but the water was rough and it was it was scary i mean the, the waves were coming up the waves were huge and we thought we were going under then so she doesn't want anything to do with the rough <laughs> waters but if we have a destroyer oh okay all right okay i see where we're going <laughs> if we have a destroyer okay we can go anywhere in lake michigan we want to so it would have to, that purchase would have to be island and destroyer. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if you win the lottery, I'm guessing you could buy the island and the destroyer. And, and the, the guns on the destroyers don't work. Right? Oh, okay. they're, they're, they're not going to sell that to us. Okay. But it's just this big ship. It's a destroyer. Actually was a commissioned destroyer. That'd be pretty sweet. Okay. How scary though, if you're like just, you know, sitting on your dock, you're in Lake Michigan, maybe you're having a cold one, maybe you got a pole in and all of a sudden this <laughs> military boat comes sailing by with these two guys who are like, Hey, that, to, me, to me, that'd be really exciting or scary until you realize it wasn't, you know, you the talk, military coming after you, talk you about daydreaming. That's what I daydream about is pulling up in, in the Harbor of, of Chicago right there on the, on the shore. With a destroyer. And then you walk off with, you know, a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. Right. And like, and oh, now we get it. That guy's from Iowa. Just vacationing from our private island. All right. Interesting. Okay. So we, we would retire on the island. <laughs> well, there's and, more, Rochelle. And, and bounce around through with our destroyer. We'd go up to Mackinac Island and hang out there for a little bit. 
We can go anywhere. It's awesome. Canada. He's really thought this through. And I really, I have no, I can't top this, but Rochelle, what about you? What would you do <laughs> if you won the lottery? I can't top yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know that was elaborate. I feel like that could have gone on for a long time too with more details. And, and maybe someday it will in, in another podcast. Mm-hmm. What about you? What would you do? Um, I think I would take a once in a lifetime trip to Switzerland. I've always Ooh. wanted to go there. The Swiss Alps? We could probably give you a ride in the Destroyer. <laughs> I mean, oh you could. So we could. We'll have you win the lottery first, and then I'll win the lottery, and then Molly, you can win it too. Wait. I do not want to ride on this boat. I'm scared already. Oh, now I see a picture of it. Rochelle just brought up. Whoa. What? You pull up the Destroyer? It's huge, up. Lauren. Is it uh, sell for sale? I don't know. I just pit, I looked. Oh, you just, I just Googled Wait, it. Wait, they don't let regular people drive those. Oh, well, you'd have to have a license to captain that boat. Or you win a lottery, you hire a captain. Yeah, that, there's mm-hmm. that. Then you guys don't have to There's no way drive. my brother and I are going to be messing Wait, around with the but steering I wanna, wheel. I want to add captain to your disclosure. There we go. Yes, uh, we have to read off uh, all the things. Yeah, <laughs> Certified financial producer, honorary, captain. Honorary captain. Honorary captain. Yes. Molly, what about you? <laughs> I thought I'd go to New York City. I've always wanted to see New York City. Let's pretend there's no COVID and we get to go to all those places that we want to go to. So we're talking about today, the lottery, big windfalls, falls, sudden wealth syndrome. And it's fun. We've all thought about it. What would you do if you, if you uh, won the lottery or if you maybe inherited a lot of money? But we do know though, that history and statistics tell us that a lot of people don't get to live out their dreams when they win the lottery. Uh, Depending on where you look, some 70% of winners go bankrupt in five years. A little research for today's podcast. I saw the craziest stories about lottery winners. One guy lost $16.2 million, you guys, in one year. Two crazy things happened to him. A girlfriend sued successfully for a third of the wealth. And then his own brother was arrested for putting a hit out on him, hiring a hitman to kill him so he could get the money. This guy was quoted as saying, I wish this had never happened to me. Mm -hmm. Other people gambled the money away. Other people gave it all the way to all the people that come knocking and saying, you know, I need money. But sudden wealth syndrome is real. I mean, I don't know, like in the the Journal of American Psychology or Psychology rather, but, you know, people talk about it as basically something that can cause people to make bad decisions that they might not have otherwise made when they come into a lot of wealth. So you may not win the lottery, but what's more realistic, Lauren, and what you talk to people about every day are two things that we're going to cover today. What do you do if you inherit a large sum of money or inherit some money from your your parents or a loved one? And what to do if you are moving to and through retirement and you have some money that you want to pass on? This is the kind of stuff that that's more realistic and the people deal with every day. It is. And the sudden wealth syndrome is a real thing. And I know it has been studied. We've seen some different uh, research articles that have been produced on on this because it it is with the lottery with the lottery in the increasing dollar amounts that people do win from the lottery. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that that just falls into people's laps and it. If you're not used to that kind of money, or if you didn't go through the process of earning that kind of money, then it seems like that money will never, you will never run out. It, uh, $200 million is, is an absurd amount of money. People receive that money in some instances after tax. So that's actually the amount they get. And they feel that there's no, doesn't matter what I do, there's no way I'm ever going to run out of that money. And, and the results are that 70%, based on some of these, some of these sources, 
end up in a worse position than when they started prior to receiving the lottery. And so that's why we have seen a lot of sentiments of people saying, I wish I would have never won because it completely destroyed their lives. Now, what we're going to see as we relate that to what this country is starting to go through right now and will continue to go through for the next 15 years or the next next couple decades anyway, it is probably the world's largest transfer of wealth. There's $29 trillion in retirement money. A lot of that money is pre-tax money. Some of it's tax-free money. Some of it will be tax-free once they inherit it. But people are going to see a, a lot of money that they are going to inherit over the next couple decades that they've never had to build the discipline of saving. They've never had to build that muscle that it takes to save that money. So when they receive it, it's going to be brand new. And then it not, now it's a matter of what do they do with this money. So not does it not only destroy their lives, but it can actually enhance their lives and they can live through the legacy of whom, whomever they inherit it from. In most cases, their parents. And this wealth transfer you're talking about, it's, it's going to be the baby boomers transferring it to the next generation. Is that who you're referring to? Yeah. What we're seeing right now is the baby boomers' parents are, are, passing away they're transitioning that money onto the baby boomers and what the baby boomers are doing what we're seeing is they're just they're not spending that money they're saving that to transition onto their kids so not only do these baby boomers have the vast majority of that 29 trillion when they pass now the kids that that family legacy is just ballooning so the kids are going to receive way more money than what their parents received when their parents passed away when their parents' parents passed away and so this this legacy is just ballooning and now it's a matter of what can they do with it to enhance what they're trying to do instead of letting it destroy their lives Let's go back to the baby boomers. Their parents, when they pass away, were the most common ways that these assets are coming to the money, IRAs, land. What are you seeing? We're seeing a little bit of everything. Uh, the vast majority of people's wealth is underneath pre-tax IRAs. So that is a common staple amongst inherited uh, types of, in, of inheritances that people receive. But also uh, land. Land is transitioning like we've never seen before. We have these second generation farms that are going to the, the kids. So now it's going to be a third generation property and a lot of this land is paid off and that is a really valuable asset for for people and now it's a matter of how to handle it so the question of how do you handle the inheritance that you receive can't be answered as broadly as that question is stated it depends upon what type of asset you receive because the tax consequences and your the rules around how what you can do with those assets vary per asset uh, take the IRA as an example. Those those inheriting rules just changed December 19th of 2000, 2019, where now you have to have that money distributed within a 10-year period of time, whereas prior to last year, you could stretch that that IRA out over the course of your entire lifetime. And then the taxes on these different types of assets do vary also. The pre-tax IRAs have never been taxed. So when you inherit it, when you take money out of your inherited IRA, you are going to owe taxes on it. The land, based on current federal law, you do not owe any federal taxes on the land. It get, gets what is called a step-up in cost basis. Savings account money, brokerage account money, all of that receives step-up in cost basis, so you wouldn't have any federal tax as of date of death on that money, assuming that the value of that property is under $22 million or $11 million if, if, uh, if single. So, but but that, those are a couple different types of taxes. So federal income tax, there wouldn't be any, but there could be 
uh, an estate tax on it if it, if the value of that estate is higher than either the eleven million or twenty two million based on on the individual passing away. And I feel like in life, a lot of the questions you ask are based on your own experience, right? So my experience is there's no land in my family and there's no money. So if anybody came to me and said, Molly, you're about to inherit, that would be a total surprise to me because that's my understanding of the picture. The people that you work with, are they usually aware that this situation is coming or is it sometimes a surprise? Almost everybody is aware that there is some value when there is value within the family that they will inherit. They don't always know down to the penny. Uh, they don't always have a re real detailed look on what is available for them to inherit, but they typically know that something is going to come. Um or if something's not going to come, like like you, right? You just mentioned there's not. It would be a big surprise yes. to you. Now, every <laughs> now, once if anyone's in a while, listening and they just don't have someone, you know, that special person they want to leave their inheritance to, you know, just go ahead and look us up, MerkelPlan.com. You can find me there. Email. <laughs> no, just kidding. Right. Every once in a while, there is a big surprise, but by and large, the surprises just don't happen in a, in a big way. And with a lot of our families, we do talk with their kids. We talk with their kids about here's the type of an of accounts that they have here the type of assets that they have. So when you inherit, whatever the value of it is, here's some considerations. Here's some things to look out for. Here's some pitfalls that you could fall into, things to avoid. All of that kind of conversation can help with the transition of assets as well. But even with our family members, we talk about what their legacy ambitions are, what are the best strategies to incorporate while they're alive to, to pursue or make sure that their legacy ambitions are fulfilled. And that can help with that transition of assets as well, even if the kids aren't, aren't privy to any of that information. If, you, if you're organized, you have an itemized list that says, here's the assets, approximate value as of this date. And then here's some of the considerations. Here's who, who this asset is going to go to. Here's how much of this asset is going to go to this individual. Then that will help with that transition. That's all part of that legacy plan. And I kind of look at this conversation in two ways, receiving money and giving money. So you're talking a little bit to the uh, giving portion, but I want to go back to receiving and the sudden wealth syndrome and, and the tax consequences that can sometimes happen. Is there any circumstance under which you can pass on an inheritance? There is. It's called disclaiming privilege, and it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty underutilized provision of the inheritance, ta or inheritance law because not a lot of people understand that it's there. And that concept is kind of foreign to a lot of people too. The concept of, well, you might have this big asset that you could have, but then you say, no, thanks. I don't really want it. Don't really Yeah. It's hard it. to imagine. Like there's, it's like passing on winning the lottery. I mean, there, there's not too many people that are in that position that they would say no, thank you to a big inheritance or any, any inheritance. But we do have some family members that are in that position. They know that they don't want to receive or take receipt of this IRA because they don't need it. And in fact, in some circumstances, it'll make them pay more money in taxes because they have to take distributions from the IRA. They already have more income than what they need and want anyway. They're trying to figure out how to pass on the assets they have. So this extra money is more of a burden to them than anything else. So in that case, that scenario, disclaiming that money can be a really powerful strategy to get this money that is unwanted as bad as that may sound, it's it's not necessary in their circumstance, and then they can get it on to the next generation, assuming that the IRA was set up in, in uh, the appropriate way in the beginning. Staying with receiving the money, how do you incorporate it into your retirement vision? 
are already having a plan in place helps with this substantially because there are some families they 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 receive this inheritance and now it's a matter of they already have a plan in place this is a windfall that comes in now what kind of roles is windfall going to play within their overall retirement picture and starting with that retirement picture already developed it's, it's just an, um, an adjustment that's made on their overall plan. If they didn't have that plan in place already, then it's basically a reorganization of everything. And it's a little bit more troublesome to do that, but it's still very necessary. Some families will take that windfall, and it really does then enhance what they're trying to accomplish, not only while they're alive, but they, it's, all, it's also kind of neat to see them evolve from, uh, from a, a retirement goal standpoint, where they're, they're, they're kind of tiptoeing into retirement retirement, feeling really cautious, maybe a little bit uneasy about how long is the money really going to last? What happens if they're like their parents and they live till their, their 90s? Uh, do they have enough money? Then they receive this windfall. And now that insecurity kind of diminishes. It goes away. You can see they, they can see it within their plan and how it's shored up long term and short term. And now their, their mindset kind of shifts to, okay, I'm good. Now, what can I do with this money? to pass it on to the next generation to help them in a way that my parents helped me. Do you see? <clears throat> so it's, it's really neat to see how that mindset yeah. shifts. And f and when that does happen, then their planning needs to shift as well. But we've had that happen in a number of cases, and it's just kind of cool to see uh, some of that uneasiness uh, diminish, and now their, their overall plan is changing, but it's changing in a way that's really meaningful to them from an emotional standpoint because they received this from their parents and they can envision now their kids receiving this from from them and how it might en enhance what their their kids are trying to do. And clearly having this plan in place, I would think, helps avoid some of this sudden wealth syndrome. I mean, it, it is a real thing. Sometimes people feel isolated, this newfound money. They don't know how or what to do with it. But if you're already sort of working with someone who can look at the money objectively and, and not let you get too emotionally tied with it, I think that's got to help you avoid some of the stress or guilt that can come with an inheritance. Yes, most definitely. Over the last 20 years, 20 plus years of doing this, I've never experienced uh, one of our clients. Uh, I've never seen one of our clients experience the sudden wealth syndrome. I've seen our clients inherit a ton of money and I've seen a range of emotions that can come with that. But because they have that plan already established, now this is an addition to their plan. Um, they already have the discipline that it takes to save money because they have been, they have worked hard and they've been disciplined and they've saved their own wealth. And now this is just an enhancement to what they have. So I've never really seen it. The planning does help a long way with that. It's uh, in most cases, not a huge surprise. So there could be some planning even prior to that day when they received the inheritance. Um, it, it's, it's amazing to see how, how much the planning can impact somebody, whether they receive a big windfall or they don't, because it just gives them, it's their instruction manual of how to get through this phase of life that they've never been through before and are only going to go through once. Lauren, a lot of the people that you sit down with are maybe five or 10 years from retirement, sometimes already in retirement, and they're talking about their legacy, what happens when they pass on to the wealth that they've worked so hard for. And I know that if I was to inherit, you know, money right now, again, we're just pretending I'm going to inherit money. I kind of like pretending and keep saying this. I, as the person who's receiving it, may not be as concerned about, oh, it, taxes or all of those things. But it's usually the person giving the money who wants to see it go as efficiently as possible. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, they've, they've over a lifetime built their wealth, and now they're thinking about passing it on to their kids, and what could their kids do with all of this money? So that is a concern for many people, and, and, and as they grow older then that becomes less of a concern. So think about their parents. Their parents might have passed away in their 80s. They probably were not as concerned about their 60-year-old kids on what they're going to do with it. But now the 60-year-old kids, which is them, the ones now looking to pass it on to their kids, their kids might be 30, their kids might be 40, and that's where a lot of the concerns come into play because they're not retirement in age. They're going through a, a time in their life where it would probably be really nice to have an extra 2,000 square foot uh, of living space. Or a destroyer, whatever, whatever you like. Or a destroyer, <laughs> or an island, or any of these other things that could evaporate that lifetime of savings in a really quick way. So there's, it's not uncommon for families to want to take planning steps to mitigate that type of behavior from their kids. Those are all conversations that we need to have uh, for married couples who are looking to pass on. It's conversations they need to have. And and a lot of our families like to even have conversations with their kids to kind of take their temperature of what their thoughts are and what their ambitions are, and then they can structure their legacy plan based on all of these conversations. So what do you see then? Do you see... Again, a couple, let's just use 65. The kids are 45, maybe even 50. I'm going to start that over again. So what do you see? Maybe a couple in their 70s. Kids are in their 50s. They're financially stable. They're doing well. Then does that money then get passed to grandkids? But then with some parameters, so grandkids don't get it in 10 years when they're 20. I mean, how do, how do people commonly set this up? There is some generation skipping that we do see with that, especially, again, the older that the individuals get. Uh, and the more secure that their kids are, now they're looking at their kids as uh, uh, schooling usually is what it is. So they set up a fund or set aside particular uh, amount of their, their money to be earmarked for the kids' college. That's the, that's the most com- common desire when it comes to the grandkids. But for everybody, it is a little bit different. For everybody, their ambitions of what they're trying to do with this is a little bit different. But it is kind of nice. It's, it's, again, it's nice to see people as they go through the different phases of retirement, their thought process change changes, their mindset changes, and what they want to do with their money changes. And it's what I what I really enjoy is just walking them through these different phases and seeing them accomplish what they do accomplish during each one of these phases and then start thinking about that next phase on what's next. And then how are they going to accomplish that? Because there's most, most of the time there are ways that you can accomplish what it is you're trying to do. It's just a matter of trying to identify what it is that you are trying to accomplish, what's most important to you during this upcoming phase, and then putting the strategies in place necessary to accomplish it. And we can't talk about passing on your wealth without talking about a trust and a will and how some of these can really help Uh, put these parameters on your legacy. Those are some of the specific strategies in which you can incorporate, though the will is necessary for almost everybody. But then people will oftentimes, especially the the more wealth that they have, will incorporate a trust with their will and then also how they designate the beneficiaries on particular accounts as well. So account titling as far as beneficiary designations, the will, and then the trust are all documents or ways that you can you can transition your wealth to the next generation. There's good and bad with each one of those. What's the good? What's the bad? What are you trying to accomplish? And that will I- then identify or determine what strategies you're going to use to pass on your wealth. Also, this prevents what we don't want to see happen to families. And, and the reason that you, I think, like sitting down too with people and talking about their legacy is 
grandma had a million dollars sitting in the bank, but had no plan for where that million would go when she passes. And now every grandkid, every child, every ex-spouse has come and trying to make a claim on grandma's money. Yeah, this is more common for our family's parents. This is the Great Depression era, that generation. They're very private. They're, they have shelves of canned goods. They might have they might have canned money in the backyard that's buried or buried behind the drywall within the house. I mean, it's just a diff- different mentality of that generation because of all the things they went through. So you can't blame them. But, but for the families, uh, the baby boomers, they tend to be less private about that kind of stuff. Many of our families look to engage with their kids. Uh, but, uh, but again, many are concerned about what their kids might do with it. So it's a matter of putting that proactive plan in place to make sure that what they want to have accomplished with their plan is going to take place. But one of the more public instances of somebody not having a plan in place, you guys remember Prince? Yes. When he passed away, it was extremely public that he had no will. He had no trust. There was no legacy plan in place. Crazy. This is a guy with tons of attorneys that would, you know, help him with his albums and his copywriting, but no, no will. Yeah. And he had like 300, 400 million, something like that of, of, of assets within his estate. And what did we see take place? We saw family, estranged family members. We saw uh, people coming out of the woodwork saying that they used to be a girlfriend and they are, they have some kind of claim to the, I mean, that's what happens because what, when that, when assets go through probate, they're all public. In fact, in the state of Iowa, there has to be two public notices, which basically inventories everything that is in your, in your estate. And they do that to allow companies and people to lay claim to that estate. So you are opening yourself up to something of that nature. Now it's not going to be as high profile as Prince, right? When it's published in the papers and everybody's saying there is no will or estate plan. Do you guys know what Prince's real name is? What? What his born given name was? No. No. Roger Nelson. I mean, you guys see it here. Molly Nelson, Roger Nelson. Oh. I'm an error. I'm 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 an error. I think you might be a little late to the party. <laughs> oh or no, my attorneys make it? My, my attorneys are all over it. We have made a claim to the inheritance. That's exactly what I'm talking Don't about. Don't you see the resemblance? I do. I see it. I'm a foot taller than him. More I mean, the genes are different. When, but. when you sing it, when you sing, I hear it. Yeah, now. <laughs> yes. Now, now you see the resemblance. Yes. But that, I mean, that's what, that's what estates are leaving themselves open to when there is not an estate plan. So it's, it's when, then this is why we emphasize the, the necessity of having a legacy plan as a part of your retirement plan, because maximizing your resources that you have worked hard for during your lifetime is really important, but you also want to maximize those resources when you're gone to make sure that your legacy continue to live on and you can still have an impact on your loved ones and your charities once you're gone. Uh, And not only that, but it can save a huge headache for your survivors, for your beneficiaries, for the loved ones that you, that you want to make it as easy as possible for. And if there is no plan in place, you are not around to sort that mess out. Your kids are, or your grandkids are, or your siblings are, or your parents are. Somebody that you care about is there to clean up the mess, and that's not something that you want them to do either. I was reading about all these lottery winners who lost their millions, and another one was a Waffle House employee who ended up paying $1.11 million. Is that how you say that? When the numbers get big, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. $1.1 million in taxes. 
because she put the winnings, I think it, I believe it was a female, she put the winnings in a corporation and granted her family 51% of the stock. Who advised her to do that? It, that that's the other thing with these huge lottery lotteries that take place there's all kinds of strategies that come out of the woodwork of what should you be doing to receive this money and spend the least amount possible in taxes so that doesn't surprise me i'm not familiar with that case but it doesn't surprise me that there was some creativity that that came into that particular type of case it sounds like to me is what she ended up doing was gifting 51 percent of her winnings which there would be some gift tax so right now the federal gift tax exemption is 11 a little, somewhere around 11 million for somebody who's single, 22 million for a married couple. So if she's gifting over that 11 or 22 million depending upon her situation, now there's going to be some gift tax uh, to the tune of about 40% over that exempted amount. So that could be very well what took place. That's the thing is that there's so much complexity into all of this that oftentimes, especially the bigger the dollar amounts get, the more specialist on your team, the better off you're going to be. So you would want a retirement planner. You would want uh, an estate attorney. You would want a, a CPA on your on your team to develop whatever strategy it is that you're trying to accomplish based on your circumstance. So certainly if you, if you win the lottery, that's going to be life-changing. And it's going to be life-changing for the better or it's going to be life-changing for the worse as we've seen. So now take your time. Take your time to devise that plan prior to receiving the money. Then you're going to do it right. You're going to do it with confidence so you know that you're not going to have to look back and say, I wish I would have done something different. And that advice goes towards receiving an inheritance too. It's a big, it's a big pot of money, whether it's $10,000 or $10 million. Do it right. Have a plan in place before receipt, and then you're going to do it with much more confidence. Yeah, clearly it didn't work out for this Waffle House employee because the article I was reading was called 20 Lottery Winners Who Lost Every Penny. We will put a link to that article in our show notes. So if you like what you've heard today, we invite you to rate and review our podcast, Retiring Today. We also invite you to, to contact us. Go to MerkelPlan.com. It's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. Right there, you can schedule a retirement checkup call. It's right at the top of the webpage or you get right on the calendars of the retirement planners here at Merkle Retirement Planning. And we will keep talking about your retirement vision, strategies, and having fun with talking about how to meet your goals on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. And I mean, that could have been any more succinct. That's I, where you step in. <laughs> less words, more words. That's, that's what you want, right? Less words, more words. I can just see you have so many things you want to say at once. You just don't know which one to pick.